life is brilliant My life is brilliant My love is pure I saw an angel Of that I'm sure Okay, you brought up the point to break the norm, to break the beauty standard thing. This is a big question I have about the objectivity of beauty is I know when my dick gets hard. My dick's not going to get hard if they say this girl over here is the new definition of beauty standard. It's just not as much marketing as there is and, and whatnot. I, I can tell when this thing reacts. So that is my question about like, okay, well, what do you mean break the beauty standard? Like beauty I mean, isn't beauty somewhat objective? Like we talk about with the models. There's a reason a lot of them are the models. And you said, okay, they're selling feelings too. They're selling this and that. But to the example of uh, selling the car with the with the girl that is objectively beautiful to most men, they're going to get more sales than if it's not objectively beautiful to most men. So how do you break the norm? Is it possible or is it like hardwired in? She smiled at me on the subway. She was with another man. But I won't lose her. Sleep on that, cause I've got a plan. You're beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. the polls that they like to, to put them down, and they don't stop till till late, late, actually early, early morning. One one of my friends said, you know, okay, what do you do on the weekends? Okay, we drink. What do you do for celebration? We drink. What do you do when you're sad? We drink. I mean, everything they do revolves around drinking. Yeah. So, I mean, to like uh, develop closer relationships, they expect you to drink with them and whatnot. So it's taking a little toll on me. I need to be a good boy again and and uh, do that. But when the weather is bad like this, like I can understand. You know what I mean? There's no sun. It gets dark early. It's cold. And it's like, fuck, you know, what else to do? Let's drink. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, did you, I actually spent a summer in Poland back when I was 18. And... Ooh. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> it was like seeing Poland, like Poland was just such a new experience. And then, yeah, the most intoxicated I ever was with was with a group of like, Polish girls, Russian girls, like it was a wild time. So Where were you? I was in Wrocław. Oh, yeah. Wrocław. I heard it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, it's beautiful. It's really nice. And I lived in Germany just across the border, like an hour away in, in a city called Dresden. So Dresden. Yeah. Yeah. Was this a study abroad program or what was this? No, that's when I was, I had, so I graduated high school when I was 17 and I went into college right away and then I, I was too young. So then I dropped out after my first year and did an exchange year in Germany as a nanny. So I was working as a nanny in Germany and then the mom was Polish and they owned property and like land and stuff in Poland. So that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah, you've been all over the place. So this is Hannah Linnea. Did I pronounce that last name right? Uh, Linnea. Linnea. Uh, we recorded, uh, what was it, November 2020. I was on my way to Playa del Carmen and you had just been there for, for quite some time. So we were chatting about kind of the nomad life and, and making money online. It was a fun recording. We wow. stayed in contact, and I've noticed like the past year, you've gotten really into the whole body image, um, eating disorder, and mm -hmm. I mean, you've done very well um, from from the outside. I know you're running like a portal now, and you have clients. And why did you make this this switch again? I mean, this is something you really struggled with, huh? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So hi, everyone. thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. I always love the honest and like to the point conversations with you. I think it's great. Um, yeah. So I, so I live with like various mental health thing. Oh, are you still here? Nick, where did you go? Yeah, I just put you on solo. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I struggled with my body image for as long as I can remember. Um, I started like obsessively checking my body every morning around the age of seven. And over as I grew older, I just became more fixated on body image and exercise and, you know, just that kind of stuff. And by the time I was 11 or 12, my I was in modeling and I had like starved my, I had started starving myself. Um, and then it just kind of progressed over the years. Like it was like this, it was never like a full blown, blown hospitalization. Like I was in and out of the hospital because I was going through like malnourishment periods. But anyways, um, so yeah, I, I got my master's in Toronto and I was studying food behaviors. And at that time I had like de developed a full on eating disorder, which was kind of ironic because I was studying food behaviors and like eating patterns and stuff. But meanwhile, I was like, I was, you know, engaging in self-harming behavior with my relationship with food and exercise. And I have always been entrepreneurial and like when that explains why I was in Mexico and the, how we actually connected, it was because I've always been entrepreneurial. I always wanted to work online, uh, own my own business. And it was hard because I, my Instagram kind of started growing when I posted fitness content. But at that time I was also the most sick. So like people were like, oh my God, you look so good. Give me fitness tips. Tell me how to work out, blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, I was like at home every night crying, not doing anything. So like isolating myself because I was too uncomfortable around food, potentially ruining my exercise routine or get not getting all my steps or going over on my calories. And then, um, and I, I wanted to talk about health because I, you know, I, health is important. But I also wanted to talk about like mental health and I didn't know how to find, like I was in this weird flux. I was like, how do I talk about like health and fitness, but in a way that isn't destructive for my own well-being because I felt like I was living a double life. And then shortly after you and I had chatted in November or December of 2020, I connected with this fellow Canadian and we worked together. I hired her. We worked together and she helped me develop what I do now on Instagram, this new strategy talking about body image and um, mental health. And I use body image as an avenue to talk about mental health. Um, but yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, you made up some good points. Uh, it's I'm fascinated with the idea of self-image and reality. So on one end, you could be super attractive to a person. On the other hand, they don't even look your way. And it's just fascinating. Like, what is the objective reality of like attraction or image? And can you manifest it? And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with that path. It's funny though. You made a point like the modeling. I mean, living in Italy for two years, I met a handful of them and they usually are very insecure, which is crazy. Like, 
just like you, you're objectively a very beautiful woman, but um, you had crazy, uh, you know, body image problems. And I, I remember I found you because there's that one photo of you on the beach. It's like my Playa del Carmen. I'm like, who is this girl? Okay, I gotta, I gotta try to get in contact with her. But <laughs> in the background, you're thinking you're starving yourself, and you're thinking you're ugly. So the self image reality is is where I'm really like fascinated. Can yeah. you help me break this down more? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. our self image and reality. Yeah. So this is why I think it's super important for someone like me to be talking about body image is because I do fall into this like the stereotypical standards of what is attractive or not attractive. And like I've been told my entire life that, oh, you're pretty or whatever. And like for me, it it never I never knew that. Like, I remember the first time I knew anyone called me attractive. I was like, what? What? Me? No, I'm not. And it was so there was that part of it. And that's why I, I think body image is just such a extension of mental health and emotional well-being, because it doesn't matter what other people see. It's if you feel ugly on the inside and if you can't even stand how your life is going like, of course, you're going to take it on your body. Like the body is the easiest, is the most convenient thing to hate on because it's something e like, quote unquote, or air quotes, like it's easy to fix. Like you just need to be more disciplined. You need to eat better. You need to just take better care of yourself. And then this is really complex. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, I can see it. And then my question is, though. So how is this 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 self-image and this attractiveness thing work? So like objective beauty, like a lot of people, you know, said, hey, you're pretty, but the person doesn't think so. Where does this like insecurity come from? Or why can't they accept the reality that other people are putting onto them? Why are they making their own reality? And could it work the opposite? Like an ugly dude or an ugly person just thinks, hey, I'm the most beautiful person in the world. And is that what their reality becomes? Like I'm it just trip it trips me out a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah. So with attra attractiveness, um, I, okay, this thing that I, call, I, I say to my clients is when, when you are deeming yourself attractive or unattractive or somebody else attractive or unattractive, it's an act of objectification. So a lot of the times we are our first objectifiers. So like for so long, people could have said I was I looked attractive, but I was self-objecting myself in comparison to Victoria's Secret model, you know, as everyone does, because they're like gorgeous. And that connection between myself and some ideal always meant that I was inferior and there was always somebody better. And it's super complex because there's this one part of like, you're asking about self image, but then attractiveness. And it's just kind of like, I, I don't really think that they go hand in hand. Like even if you can, so if somebody says that I'm a 10 out of 10 or a seven out of 10 or whatever, that is a form of like just deeming somebody good or bad based off of the shell of the person and is eliminating what self image is, which is who you are, what you do, how you show up, the life that you live, how you earn money, your social well-being, financial well-being, all that kind of stuff. So I'm struggling to answer your question. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Hey, so here's a popular thing. And um, 
from your page and the, and the likes, it's about, okay, accepting your body, right? And this is like really big in the USA and, and the West. It's like promoting bigger people or, you know, if I can see the word fat, like, and it's really like, hey, this is fine. You know, do what you want, eat what you want, just love yourself. But is that really healthy? Like, I mean, yeah. it, it can't be in the long run if you get diabetes or, you know, where's the balance between, hey, loving yourself, but also realizing like, hey, you know, there's a objective healthiness and non-objective healthiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, that's a really common question. And a lot of like, even with my clients who invest them into themselves and work with me, and it's not cheap, they still push back that idea on me for months. And the very first thing that I teach my clients Uh, And that I really like to stay away from on my page is this idea of body positivity or fat positivity. And the word fat carries a lot of stigma, um, but it's used in the body image space for that community. And I don't fall in the body positive, fat positive space because that is, in my opinion, the glorification of appearance And for me, living with body dysmorphic disorder, like an actual mental health, a mental illness, in which it falls into the category of OCD, um, I can't include my body as a factor. So it's an interesting question. It's an interesting paradox because I do have to base my health off of objective factors. So like I go to the doctor every month and get my blood work done and I get weighed and they check my blood pressure and all of that. This is lingering treatment from my eating disorder recovery, which I started three years ago. Um, This whole, as far as like the body positivity movement and like being beautiful at all sizes and that kind of thing, like I'm neither here nor there. It's just like you do you boo. Like I'm not, that's fine. But for for me, I'm still working through my own mental health. And like, I don't know, it's a really, it's a really touchy subject because a lot of the time it's like body acceptance, love yourself the way you are. But, and then it goes to this extreme and this is like, well, what about obesity and diabetes? It's like, okay, (laughs) that's pretty black or white thinking. Like just because you allow yourself to eat some Oreos throughout the day rather than only salad all day, every day doesn't mean you're going to blow up like a balloon. You know what I mean? Yeah, finding the balance somehow. But I don't know. I just think it's dangerous to to the the, the extreme. And it seems, I mean, uh, USA is more obese than like any other country. Um, in the last 30 years, I think like almost every state has gone a certain threshold of obesity. So I, what is it? The number one killer? Is it is it um, uh, obviously cancer, but heart disease is up there too, right? And I mean, you go to a Walmart and it's ridiculous, like especially being being in Europe for so long now. And I go back to the States. I mean, people are big and it can't Mm -hmm. be, you know, good in the in the long term. So it's just really weird why like we're pushing this so hard. And and if there's any truth behind it that, hey, you know, eat what you want, do what you want and everything's going to be, you know, fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is a really, really important topic because I don't. I don't think it's either like fitness or fat. Like, I don't think it's those extremes when it comes to life. Like, I think that there's a lot more convolutedness and complexities around it. So like a lot of the times I'm misinterpreted 
uh, like I get on client, on like calls with like clients and their parents and stuff. And parents are like, why are you promoting obesity? It's like, I'm, I'm not, that's not what's happening right now. I'm talking about mental health. I'm using body image as an avenue because I know through my, through my own experience, like it doesn't matter how skinny you are. It doesn't matter how much you work out, like how good your calories are, how amazing your outfit is, no matter how nice your apartment is. If you hate yourself or if there is just a disconnect inward, then it doesn't matter what is going on on the outside. It's not going to work. So that's why, like, I believe that being able to live in a, a cohesive, stable way means that you're able to maintain a body image preference. Like that's okay. You can have body image preferences. That's it's natural for us to have the attachment to that appearance, but then also give yourself the flexibility to eat what you want, like a combination of things. Like it's not only good food, clean food all the time. Like it's just like you just eat food that's in alignment with your long-term goals. And like, I always teach my clients to think long-term. So like, it doesn't make sense to eat ice cream all day, every day, if your goal is to become a grandma and be active with your grandchildren. Like that just doesn't make sense. Maybe for some people, it like that will work for them. But like it overall, it's just like, no, you need to still nourish your body. You still need to exercise. You still need to be mobile. There's still a whole life balance. And but with body acceptance, like it's not the same as obesity or fat positivity. Gotcha. And it goes the same too for the people that are like extreme workout people, the people that use the steroids and whatnot. I mean, a lot of them have a shorter lifespan and, you know, um, the, the enlarged hearts and, you know, the blood problems and whatnot. So it's just finding the balance, like everything. Okay. So I have a question going back to this beauty thing. Yeah. Um, some people or an idea is like, okay, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Right. But if we look in the model industry, a lot of it is like objective, right? Like taller, skinnier, uh, like good eyes, symmetrical face, sometimes like blonde hair, Nordic type looking. And these people in this industry are selling beauty, right? And they're going to sell whatever makes the most money. And obviously this look and this um, uh, type of person or uh, their objective beauty has been making them the most money. Otherwise, why would they keep doing that? Know what I mean? So uh -huh. is there like this set objectiveness beauty for like, well, uh, for the models, for like men looking at a girl, right? Well, this must be like the top sort of beauty because this is what they keep pushing and promoting or why else would they do it? You understand? Yeah, of course. So my question, is, I have a question for you actually. So are they selling beauty or are they selling the emotions and the life that they think goes with beauty and a certain appearance? Yeah, I think good marketing sells emotions. So I agree with you. I think that's, that's the that's, best marketing for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like any, like when you think about any of connection that you have in life or anything that's meaningful for you, like the things that you really care about are things that speak to your heart and things that help you feel connected and feel belonging and like excitement and that kind of stuff. And grounding yourself in beauty is for your sense of self or self-confidence, for example, is I believe inherently flawed because the point of life is to grow up and to create a life worth living. And that means getting old and 
leaving your young, attractive body behind, and then you're left with just yourself. Obviously, that's a bit of an extreme because as you, that doesn't mean um, people can't be attractive when they're older or whatever. Like, there's nothing. That's what I'm saying. But there's this overall fixation on you need to look like this, and then you'll have a happy life. But even if you do look like that, you might might not necessarily have a happy life because there's like inner struggles or it's a fleet, it's a temporary fix. It's like, okay, so then when you turn 40, 50, 60, you're just going to get fillers, Botox, like breast augmentation, like um, liposuction, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but... Um, this has been going around a lot, like pretty privileged. There's no question that attractive people are treated better. They've done studies that they get the higher raise or the job. I mean, this is a huge part of our society. Like if I dress like a clown and walk outside and try talking to people, I'm not going to have as much success as if I'm dressed nice. You understand? Like if I'm clean shaven, if I'm not, or if I'm, if I eat a ton of food and I'm fat, like I'm going to get di different reactions. Cause it's like the surface image when you first meet someone, right? You can't know anything about who they are or what they are. So you go off uh, appearance, right? With what you first see. So yeah. it is very important, no? Yeah, of course. And I'm, I'm not saying that appearance isn't important. Like you, like we can't deny that putting yourself together in a way that's appropriate for you is not important. Like I definitely, I know that there's like pretty privilege exists. I know that that's a thing. Like I remember <laughs> personal story time. I remember one time I was, when I was living in Toronto, I got a corporate job and I was getting interviewed by baby boomers. So people who don't know what that is, there's like a panel of like older men older white men and the girl in front of me what who got it went into the interview before me because we were like in a waiting room we go in one by one I knew that I was going to get the job instead of her one because I have my master's and you know I have good work ethic but also because I'm like I know that I'm stereotypically more attractive to these guys than she is and like I got hired on the spot and I don't, and she didn't. And at the training, she wasn't at the training, but I was. So I acknowledge that that exists. And, you know, there's no denying that there's assumptions and presumptions and people treating people differently based off the perceptions that they project onto that person. And obviously appearance is going to be a major contributing factor to how people perceive you. Like, but just because that's the way things are, I don't necessarily think that that's the way things should be. Because that's at that time when I got hired on the spot, when I was like, you know, getting a lot of attention for my appearance, growing on Instagram, I would go home after not eating all day and then engage in um, bulimic food behaviors. But hey, this is what she said. You wish it wasn't like this, right? Obviously, hopefully it changes. You want it to. But this goes back to my model thing. Like if they put a, a pretty girl next to the hot car, the sales go up, right? If they put a, you know, ugly girl or an overweight chick next to it, it's not going to look as good. So this is like, isn't this part of our nature? Like how is this going to change? And like, is it better to try to maximize it or be like, oh, I just love myself. My, my body is how it is and, you know, whatever, and not try to work to, to capitalize on what is instinctually inside of us that probably will take millions and millions of years to, to get out of our lizard brain. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we're talking, I think we're not quite talking. Like, I think I'm kind of, I feel like we're not quite talking about the same thing because, <laughs> because I mean, you are, I'm, I'm just, Take your time. I, I can cut it out. Take your time. Okay. I love this. I love how, can you reiterate yourself, please? So you're basically like, you don't want it to be this way. Um, how it is like, uh, uh, okay, where did you get that from? Where did I say that? No, like we talked about like how important the image of someone is and their, their attractiveness or like their, you know, the stereotypical ways they look. And you, you wish it wasn't like that. And I said, well, basically, uh, if they put a pretty girl in front of a car, the car is going to sell more. They've done studies on this and they put, you know, an overweight girl or someone that's not as attractive that a car, it's not going to work. So like, this is kind of like hardwired into our DNA and for us to like reverse it, I mean, it would take, you know, forever and ever. So instead of like, okay, this is what it is. I'm going to accept my body and everything's going to be okay. Well, you're not going to benefit as much maybe in your life if you you know worked on your body image and made it uh look good does that make sense or am i just fucking crazy tonight no 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 you're no you're not okay <laughs> i think this the main disconnect is where you say i wish where you said that i said <laughs> that i wish it wasn't like this talk and i don't i don't recall saying oh i wish it wasn't like this I remember saying, well, this is the way it is. And I just because we function this way doesn't mean it's right. Okay. You know, okay. and I, I know that that's a very small difference, but it, it it's for me, I believe it's significant because it's, it opens up more possibility for how we conceptualize humans and ourselves. And I'm not saying, oh, I wish we didn't function this way because it serves a purpose. Like we are evolution we have evolved we have the society that we live in we are able to travel the world do all these things like we're able to like i'm not i don't think diet culture as it's called which i also don't like to engage with like i'm also labeled as like like anti-diet culture body positive but i don't identify with those things at all because i just i i don't think that's helping the point because talking about these different social constructs or ways of functioning yeah I, was, <laughs> I think is missing the point because at the end of the day you can look like megan fox has come out as somebody who experiences body dysmor dysmorphia who's objectively like the hottest thing ever or it's just for some people you see <laughs> it depends and I just think that the self-conceptualization and how we consider ourselves needs to go beyond appearance. And I believe that when, because you know how there's some people who you, I'm trying to think of somebody. I, I can't think of any, like there's certain celebrities that everyone loves them and there's like, I love them and they're not even hot. Can you think, you know what I'm saying? You know how some people are like that and like how some people are just amazing because of them and they're not necessarily attractive or like for example ryan reynolds is somebody who everyone thinks is really hot i personally i'm like oh yeah he's just a dude like i don't think he's all that hot but okay i, um, I think i think success and wealth and social status obviously elevates many of those people like they're they're put on the pedestal because of uh 
you know, the lifestyle and the feelings they can bring to a, a situation. You know what I mean? Like this was like, I saw a lot of memes about that Jack Harlow. Like all of a sudden he became the hottest person in the world. He's a rapper. You know, he was kind of a dorky, curly headed white dude. And now everyone's like in love with him, but he's got like, you know, the good personality He's obviously like one of the top musicians out there. And that obviously does something with your attractiveness. You know what I mean? Like, we can say what we want, but for like men, a big part of our attractiveness too is what we can provide, right? So, you know, like there's a reason why the billionaires are with, you know, girls that are like 40, year, 40 years younger than them or that kind of action. But yeah, I think our disconnect with our conversations, because it's different. You're right. So like the self-image and, and then I was talking about like objectivity of beauty and whatnot. And I think we just didn't uh, communicate that properly. My next question though, because we're going to get some good content out of this. Okay, so I've been seeing content or pages like yours like get really popular, like before editing, before Photoshop, after it, and like a lot of girls, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, it's not always what what you see." Um, a lot of the times, though, I'm starting to feel like a lot of these people are doing it for attention, like a way mm -hmm. for them to like post like their ass everywhere, and I mean, it's 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 like, oh, I just love my body, and she's like half naked on the screen. I'm like, okay, it's probably like an OnlyFans link. What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, no, I, no, I totally agree with you. Like I look at some of these girls cause it's a small community relatively. So you keep in touch with all the other like content creators in this space. And it's like soft porn, some of the stuff that they put out and you know, you do you boo, but like, I, I agree. It, it's a, it's a hard line to find because it's just like, well, where, where is the line between like, appearance glorification still or the sexualization of my body and that is another thing why I like to distinguish myself from body positivity because it can be quite sexualized and appearance focused and glorified like appearance glorified and again I think what I talk about with body image I think it's missing the point I don't think body image the body image I believe is an inherently emotional experience because again in my experience when I was like hot shit. I thought I was the most sick. I hated myself the most. I was most isolated, depressed, um, you know, dealing with existential crises and like, you know, why am I alive? Like, is this all that I'm living for? Does that make sense? Like, so then, then you open yourself up to a bad relationship. I remember you talking yeah. about because a lot of predators or people can yeah. sense that insecurity and they take advantage of it. Um, yeah. Okay, yes. hold on. Let me hit on this though. Hit on this for me quick. So relating back to my comment about these Instagram accounts, possibly for attention. Also, do you even think it really helps this uh, before, after, or body image, body positivity on these social media apps? Because yeah, you can consciously go through the Instagram and be like, okay, this is fake, right? Like this, this is airbrushed. This is enlarged. This is whatnot. But do you think subconsciously when you're scrolling, your body and your mind is still comparing yourself to this person's uh, physique, uh, this person's sure. lifestyle. Like, mm -hmm. and so are you even helping the the conversation by being on these social media platforms? Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I, I honestly don't think it even matters. I think if you're on this thing, you can't consciously like make a decision type deal. Like it's, it's drilled inside of you. Like, Oh, I, I don't look like her. Like I don't look like her after photo. Like this is hurting me. You understand that? Oh, of course. Totally. And I agree. I, that's something that I toy with all the time. And this is why one reason why I think that people resonate with my content all the time is because it, it, it is like a, there is that subconscious element where 
it's glue or like wired in our brains to like have that automatic, are they a 10 out of 10? Are they an eight? Are they a two? Am I hotter? Am I not as hot as them? And I, am I uglier? Like that kind of rate, at least for f- females, I don't know, like that, <laughs> maybe for guys too. I don't know. But that I do believe that that subconscious comparison happens regularly. Did I touch on your point correctly? Yeah. So then I'm asking like, okay, how do you get over that without adding to the problems? Cause I guarantee you a lot yeah. of people look at your stuff and be like, Oh my God, she's this, she's that. Yeah. Like, is, it, is it helping? Or do you have to just yeah. get off the social platforms and talk to them on zoom one-to-one type? Yeah. Of oh, for sure. Okay. Great point. I get ridiculed all the time. They're like, well, you're still a pretty blonde. You're and you're in a thin body, you know, like you're still not, in a big body and it's just and people say it's not helpful or like when girls there's a few girls there's some girls who are like really beautiful who post this kind of stuff and they're like very beautiful and then they do the edits too and they're like oh like absolutely stunning and people there are individuals who feel like it's not helpful because it's like well you're that's still exclusive it's still focusing on thin bodies they're still attractive like we need different beauty standards we need to break the norm and like i think there's definitely a place for that um but i don't believe that the before and after photos or the pose versus unposed or relaxed versus posed photos that i do are inherently bad obviously i do this as my full-time job which is another conundrum that I'm kind of in a lot of the time because it's like, well, to what, it, you know, I'm using, and I w- I've done an interview actually last month and I, by a researcher and they're like, if you're a mental health advocate, why do you use your body? I was like, because I, I, the reason why I find value in it is because the only way I knew how to function for most of my life was to be body obsessed and appearance focused. And all I cared about all the time was getting the right outfit, driving the nice car, having a nice house, like um, traveling, having like good clothes and like being thin, fit, hot, always needing to be number one. And when I first saw a beautiful girl being like beautiful and posed, like how Instagram, how many people do curate themselves on social media. And then unposed, I was like mind blown. I was like, I look like her. Oh my God. And I was like, and she's so pretty. And then I was like, oh my God. And then that kind of like started this whole unraveling thing alongside my eating disorder treatment of like, if a body can look like both things so quickly, maybe there's more to the picture that I'm missing. Maybe, maybe I, I'm a little bit too focused on what I look like. Maybe, maybe my life can be more than that. And it's been this slow, like evolution of perception of life. So yes, I do believe that there's a, the, how my sort of content can be deemed unhelpful for some people, but I'm always going to stand by that body image can be use as an access point to talk about mental health you know yeah and you said too like that one photo before and after changed a lot of your perspective so if that's the case if you can change a couple other people's ones through yours then the haters don't really matter um and you yeah. got a market too you're right this is a, a business so it's yeah it's, 
it's kind of like sitting on, on the edge. Okay, you brought up the point, the break the norm, the break the beauty standard thing. This is a big question I have about the objectivity of beauty is I know when my dick gets hard. My dick's not going to get hard if they say this girl over here is the new definition of beauty standard. It's just not as much marketing as there is and, and whatnot. I, I can tell when this thing reacts. So that is my question about like, okay, well, what do you mean break the beauty standard? Like beauty I mean, isn't beauty somewhat objective? Like we talk about with the models. There's a reason a lot of them are the models. And you said, okay, they're selling feelings too. They're selling this and that. But to the example of uh, selling the car with the with the girl that is objectively beautiful to most men, they're going to get more sales than if it's not objectively beautiful to most men. So how do you break the norm? Is it possible or is it like hardwired in? Yeah. I mean, so let me just clarify. There are advocates who say like break the beauty standards and like I definitely as I had mentioned before okay wait Nick I I, I have a really hard time concentrating when it's on this view I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> um <laughs> the I want to make sure make it clear to like the listeners and to you that I'm not advocating for breaking the beauty standards in that explicit social activist way. Okay. But there are individuals and influencers and groups, communities, and, you know, this, it, having those conversations are important about talking about, I think it would be more a wider human representation rather than like breaking beauty standards. Like I think that a better way to kind of phrase it's just like, we'll have just more representation of body sizes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and like appearances and there's a place for that. And, you know, the people who, when I put myself into the shoes of those sorts of, um, activists or influencers who advocate for that kind of stuff, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it at all. It's just not anything that I occupy because I like to stay on the mental health and like the, personal and the individual psychology side of things for body image. Um, but for one argument for your question could be like, this is just me based off what I know is that, well, the reason why you don't think those bodies are attractive could be because you only see this type of body in the media and you, that is deemed beautiful. But if you saw more bodies and bodies sexualized in other ways, then it could be that those bodies could be attractive to you as well. So like there's that sort of, I'm not saying that, that that's my argument, but that is an argument that stands for changing the narratives or widening the perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's nature versus nurture, like a uh, whole conversation. And I think there probably is something to it because like if you look at, for example, LGBTQT, mm -hmm. um, the percentages are going through the roof, right? And uh, before that, you know, maybe because you didn't have a community or you thought you were crazy and, and you just say, hey, I'm going to go fit in with society. But now, you know, it's promoted a lot of different places. And I mean, I honestly, I don't feel it's wonderful for, you know, little kids necessarily. But now you're seeing like, okay, no, it's normal. I can be this way, et cetera, right? So maybe if they put some images of, you know, different, whatever, then that would change beauty standards. But I don't know, because like, I have the ultimate indicator and it's in my pants, like for my yeah. perception. So yeah. I don't know if you can force something down my throat. 
yeah. You, the, the, so the thing is, like, it's not a. Um, you can have your preferences, your appearance preferences. That's okay. I think what's this is this is good. Like this is this is a really there's so many layers to this, as I've already said, but like the ultimate indicator is in your pants is your indicator. It's not everybody else's. And so it's okay for you to find certain people attractive and other people not attractive. Like that's just a normal thing. Like there's certain people who I find attractive and other people who I don't. And it's just, you know, it's just the way that we are wired and work and whether or not certain people, you know, it kind of ties this, like, this is why it's so much bigger than that. It's just kind of like, well, what about with marriage and stuff? Or what about like, why would people get married then and be with somebody for so long if they're going to get unattractive? And why wouldn't I just continually go off after somebody who's more attractive? Like, I feel like there's a lot more that could go with that sort of stream of logic. And you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a big conversation. Let's stick to what you've been um, hard on the last year and maybe you can help me out. Uh, we'll talk about the body image and, and, and how we can improve uh, our self-love and whatnot. So I've always had a little problem with acne. And I remember uh, one time, I'm like, fuck, I'm going on this date. And uh, I, I just felt like I, I was breaking out, you know. And as the day went on and stuff like that, I don't know how it got brought up. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, you barely have, like, anything. You have, like, one spot here. That's totally normal. I'm like, damn. Like, in reality, I'm thinking, like, shit, this is noticeable. Oh, my God. She's like, what are you saying? Like, and that's like the magnifying glass or like even the spotlight effect is we think like, Oh my God, everyone's looking at my nose. It's, it's so big, but in reality, like a small percentage, like barely notice it or, or give a fuck about it. It's like a book I read the psycho cybernetics uh, by Maxwell Maltz. He was a, uh, a plastic surgeon. Did you read this? You're shaking your head. Yeah. He's I know him. Yeah. And he was talking about these people would come in to his office and they're like, oh, my gosh, my nose is the worst thing in the world. And, you know, I can't get this job. I, I can't, you know, attract this type of person. And he's like, okay, it's not that big of an issue. But if you want, you can pay me the money. And he barely trim it up. And then their whole life would change. But he's like, there's barely any difference with this. <laughs> and it, it, that's really goes into the whole self-image thing. So <laughs> help me love myself, Hannah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, so let's go back to that date thing. And um you know, if it was your first date with this girl when you had the, the acne. Yeah. Okay. So this is why I believe that body image and the way we perceive our, perceive ourselves is very emotional because in addition to meeting somebody the first time, like you're like, Oh, what about my acne? But there was probably deeper things going on. It's like, well, is she going to like me? Is it going to go well? Is it going to be fun? Is she, are we going to get along? Like there's probably more questions going on than just, the acne like you know what i mean so i take all that stuff and then put the focus on my acne is what you're saying so like all those feelings that your questions you're asking and i magnify it in what i'm insecure about yeah okay keep going so like let's because earlier in our conversation, I had mentioned how it's convenient to hate on our bodies and it's, e it's convenient to use our appearance as a scapegoat for deeper rooted things or insecurities. 
So like the big epiphany. So the reason why I had even gone to that is because when I was at my smallest, blondest, most tanned, most, you know, all that kind of stuff, I was the most miserable. And I remember I was listening to this like le this lecture because I'm a total nerd. I was listening to this university lecture and the lecturer was speaking about scapegoats and how conflict with ourselves or with other people are a scapegoat for deeper rooted issues. And at that time, I was just coming out of a, a phase of anorexia. So I was going for a few months of not really eating and I realized at that point that I hated my life and my life always blew up in my face and I was never happy and I never had stable relationships and I was always running from one place to another to another because I put all of my worth, you know, this is a very niche thing, but I put all of my worth on my body and like, and my workouts and looking good and like trying to make myself as attractive as possible. And there was a point I went on this rant for a, a reason why the thing that started my tangent was talking about how to get you more self-love. There we go. And how like insecurities about our bodies are often scapegoats for deep rooted things. So this fear and a deep rooting fear of like, well, I'll be alone forever. No one's ever going to want me or I've never felt true love before. And I, how can life be stable and, 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 uh, and neutral and enlivening with me, just me? Like, how is that possible? Because a lot of the time it's, it's very normal for many people to experience that. And why I think a, a collect collectively people tend to live in an appearance focused way is because life is traumatic. Shit does happen. Like things fall apart. And again, the body is always there. It's the most convenient thing to latch onto and be like, well, as long as I look good, then uh, I, I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to fall in love. I'm supposed to have belonging. I'm supposed to have money. And there's all these things that go along with an appearance. And I think that's inherently flawed.